Hello, Emerge listeners. This is producer Josh hopping in one last time for our final preview before the episode one drops. Episode one comes out on January 1, and I'm so excited. It has taken up a considerable amount of my life recently, and I have to say I've enjoyed it. It's been really fun telling the story. Um, the section today is from Nadia Boltz Weber, and we'll hear from her later in the season. But it's, again, a cool depiction of kind of the climate and what's happening culturally um, between different denominations and what's expected, the sort of aesthetic that is allowed or not allowed for clergy. And yeah, very excited about this interview and just wanted to share a piece of it with you. We will see you very soon with episode one. They say don't bite the hand that feeds you. Son, this land was once your home. So I was writing a paper on in this class, and I was doing a comparison of the language that was used on like emerging church websites that were uh, part of denominations, and then the language that was used on the church websites of just regular traditional churches. And I was comparing them and contrasting them. And I looked up Church of the Apostles in Seattle, Karen Ward's church. And on the website, it said, no need to check your culture at the door. So sport your tats, wear your jeans, carry your java, and join us at liturgy. And I think I read that 10 times. I I was like, are these people inviting me to their church? It's one thing to be nice enough if I happen to show up accidentally, right? But... They were actually saying, oh, no, we want you to show up. And I was blown away by that. And it didn't take long after that because I was there to get an academic degree. Even though I had felt a call to ministry, the problem was like, I don't have the personality of a Lutheran pastor. (laughs) I happen to believe and have experienced to be true these basic concepts that are central to Lutheran orthodoxy. So uh, that's why I'm still there, you know? One of them being, like you said, God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And another word that we use for that is grace. And that my working definition of grace right now is, I just describe it as like, it is the freight train that delivers into my life all of the most beautiful and completely unearnable things like forgiveness and second chances and the fact that the sun keeps rising every single morning. My virtue cannot pull that ball of fire up from the east. It does it no matter what. Uh, puppies, pizza, like the all of the, you can't earn the right to, to have puppies as part of your human experience, right? And so... The most beautiful, unearnable things are the most common things in my life. That is mostly what my life is comprised of. And uh, what do you do with that if you realize it's not as, as a result of, of my, my efforts, my piety, my virtue, my goodness, my good works? It's not. I just still get to have these things. And, I, and it's humbling. And so that was really... At the center of the church I started, House for All Sinners and Saints, grace was at the center. Grace for ourselves, for other people, for our enemies, for everything. Um, 
saying, hey, that that really is the point of gravity for us. You mentioned this kind of uh, experience that you and a lot of the people, the, the friends and such in your life had experienced this kind of cultural commute uh, in order to show up in a religious community. In preparing for this, I found uh, your attempt to give a de- definition of the emerging church movement in 09. Uh, um, really? And so I thought I'd I'd read it, and then oh, and, God. Then, and and one you can reflect on what's there, but also what else you would want to add, take back, or or, re, or, or change, because oh, I think it gets at this tension that a lot of outsiders were like, oh, look at people that got people that can't come to our church to come to ours. Maybe if we too get cool tattoos with a liturgical cycle on our arm and light some candles, they'll show up, or if right, we're preaching right, around right. or whatever. Right. Um, and um. You know, I don't. I, I here's here's your here was your definition. Uh, emerging church movement. Okay, Christian communities that emerge out of a very particular cultural context where the traditional church is basically irrelevant. These cultural contexts are more often than not young, urban-ish, and postmodern. It is not a worship style. The traditional church is often a faithful expression of Christian community, but people in my scene would have to be cult would have to culturally commute from who they are to who the traditional church is. For the record. I wanted to start a church in a context that I'm native to. I am not, in scare quotes, targeting a population, <laughs> nor have I at any point had to ask myself, quote, what is it they want, end quote. They, being postmodern, urban, youngish adults, I am they. However, with each new person who joins us, we are changed. And sometimes we're lucky enough to have people who are older or more conservative from the outside of the city join our community. And we're deeply enriched by this. Huh. That's interesting. Huh. I, I remember asking Tony Jones once, like, what is it that these communities have in common that are called emerging churches? And because the worship styles were different, the theologies were even different. You know what I mean? I'm like, what is the thing that binds them? And his answer at that time was, a, <laughs> they all share a sense of irony. I thought that was fascinating. Now I think of it, it feels like it was the like Gen X moment in the church. That's what it feels like to me now. A lot of those communities that existed in the Lutheran church, the emerging churches, they're not around anymore. Some are. Um, All of the ones that were started by women are still around, I think. (laughs) I don't know what to make of that, but... I have some ideas, but you know, (laughs) I'm not talking as much. (laughs) Hey, this is Tony Jones. Thank you for listening to this preview episode of Emerged. Emerged is going to launch on January 1st, 2024, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, We've been working on episodes. We've been having interviews with people. You're hearing snippets of them all through the month of December as we preview what's coming. This is a crowdfunded project. We would love for you to support it in any amount. And when you do, there's all sorts of bonus material that you're going to get. This interview that you heard today, you can hear the entire unedited version of that interview. Uh, You're going to be able to hear our main feed episodes ad-free. You're going to be invited to uh, video live streams 
later in the week following every episode where we're going to talk about that episode and we're going to have special guests and we're going to take audience questions. Those live streams are going to be archived for you to listen back to anytime. So if you would like to join and contribute in any amount to this emerged project, the oral history of the emerging church movement, click the link in the show notes and join us. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends, if you, if you want to hang out with us, then consider coming to Theology Beer Camp this October in Denver, Colorado. You'll not just get to hang out with us. There'll be 20 or so different podcasts. There'll be 20 or so different scholars, theologians, biblical scholars and such. And there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people who like asking big questions and aren't sure where, how together to do it. If you want to be a part of that, come taste the fun and delicious craft beverages. Come to camp, theologybeer.camp. Check it out and we'll see you there.